My special guest today is an award-winning actor who for seven years made a huge impact in the bill, becoming one of the most popular characters of all time. He's recently earned more critical acclaim on stage, playing Brian Epstein in the smash hit musical Scylla, and I'm delighted that he's kindly agreed to kick off season three of the Bill podcast. Ladies and gents, you've waited patiently. Here he is. Make some noise for the legendary Andrew Lancel. Andrew, <laughs> welcome to the Bill podcast. Can we just stop there? I don't think it's going to get any better than that for me. So let's just... <laughs> I've had so many requests to interview and uh, I'm delighted to to finally be talking to you. And as we record this, we've just enjoyed a very sunny bank holiday weekend for Easter. How did you spend yours and did did you have a nice time? Oh, it was lovely. Well, I've um, been very fortunate. I've been able to take a little bit of time off. I know it can be quiet out there at times, but um, I've had a really good run and I wanted to have some time at home. And so we've been doing holiday things and uh, my wife and my two kids I've been uh, traveling around a bit, but the bank holiday is, is very, Easter is very special to us. So there's lots of uh, church and stuff. And then um, we went down the beach. We went down the beach at Formby and you'd have thought you were in either Bonsai or Margate. One of the two, it was rammed sunshine. Absolutely fantastic. And we, we had a, quite a good family weekend. It was lovely. Actually. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that. And because I've read after performances, you always go home, you know, your family comes first. Always, yeah. If, if you're doing a, a tour or a West End, you usually do Monday to Saturday or Tuesday to Saturday if you're working on musicals often. And so I always, always come home on the Saturday night. If it's commutable, I'll commute, I'd commute to the moon if I could. Yeah. Um, I love, you know, I love travelling around and seeing the country. I love, I love touring, actually. But uh, yeah, our family always first, first. And that was the case when I did the bill. And, uh, you know, we've always lived in this area of Liverpool, this sort of village area of Liverpool. And we have a place in London, which the bill got us. And, um, but they would come down to me or I would always come home. It wasn't unusual for me to go home for the day. I mean, you've got to, uh, if you can, you do. And yeah. some people don't, you know, some people like to just go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be away and that's it. It's a small country and, you know, some dads go to war. It's not a, it's not a, big, it's yeah. not a big thing. I mean, you've recently spent, was it 18 months playing that role that you've sort of become the guy to play Brian Epson, haven't you? You've played him several times and you've, I mean, I don't know if you read reviews, but the reviews are so complimentary about your performance. It's been really nice. Yeah, it's been lovely. I mean, he came along um, in 2012. Mm. I, I finished uh, the bill when the bill finished, the last day, the last the last shot, in fact. I went straight into Coronation Street. And then when, I, when Coronation Street finished, I, I did this play called Epstein, The Man Who Made the Beatles. And uh, I was always a Beatles fan. I knew about Brian Epstein, didn't realise that he lived around the corner from me and I didn't know how complex and how important he was really. And and so we did that play in Liverpool and we did it in the West End. And then actually on the opening night of uh, Epstein in the West End, Bill Kenwright came, um, who's been my boss uh, seven times now and a good friend and mentor uh, uh, to me and um, and also chairman of Everton Football Club, which helps. <laughs> and um, he mentioned a musical about Silver Black on the opening night, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't the musical that became the one we did. It, it wasn't the Jeff Pope script. It wasn't based on the TV series. In fact, Silver was still alive at the time. And um, it was mentioned. It, there was something out there, and he said, "Oh well, you know, you play Brian, sort of thing." And and then a few years later, you know, we did it in Liverpool, and I kind of got the suit out again as it were and we, we we've done three legs of that tour and there's talk of more and um so i've sort of played him five times now and in, 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 and um 
there's more Brian Epstein-ness coming up down the line. Not so much performing. I'm a little bit old to play him now, to be honest. Um, you know, he was gone at, th- I'm 48, and uh, he's uh, he's gone at 32. But he's been there, an absolute gift and a blessing, and it's been a real honour and real life-changing uh, playing. And I'm very grateful to him. He's been one of the finest parts and gifts an actor could have. And I suppose that that helps when you know if you're if you're playing what is essentially the same you know performance for like that length of time how how do you keep it fresh for yourself obviously it's fresh for each audience coming in but but how do you keep it fresh so that you're continually engaged well the key you you know hit the nail on the head it's the audience it's the first night for them every night isn't it and yeah i mean we didn't do it solidly for i mean i did di manson for seven years and so you know he was you know he, he was ever changing and you know it wasn't my longest role it wasn't my longest time in a role uh, at Brian mm. Neil Manson was actually Manson was but um uh, yeah you keep it fresh you've got a responsibility and um it's only for a couple of hours a night so it's you know it's not too um it's not too difficult <laughs> and I mean you've been acting for what over 25 years now uh well more actually yeah my first uh, professional job was when I was 15 Oh. Which was six years ago. No, which was, uh, <laughs> which was, um, um, what's that? Thirty-three. I don't. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I did. I did kids' TV. I did a lot of local theatre. I did a lot of cabaret. I used to sing in cabaret all over the place. Old people's homes, cabaret pubs, clubs, uh, demonstrating karaoke, all those kind of things. I lived in the sticks in Lancashire, so there wasn't a lot going on. I had to travel to act, and I got involved in a youth theatre, and uh, I, I got my first telly when I was fifteen. Wow. Uh, which was um, uh, just from bombardment with letters, really. And uh, it was, uh, I think, called First Post. And you remember Point of View? Yeah. It was like a, it was like a children's Point of View. And I would read the letters. I would read the letters out. But in the middle of one of the series, my voice sort of really broke. And I, I you know, you had all these lovely angelic voices reading the letters out. And then suddenly you had this. <laughs> deep northern Lancashire twang and so it's probably time for me to go but um, it, that was that got me my equity card and that got me going and I left school when I was 15 and, and just kind of did the best I could and did a lot of extra work a lot of uh, amateur theatre uh, theatre and education and bits and pieces a few few roles came along and that's what I did in, until you know, the break started happening And what, Was there any performance genes in your family or was this like Way, way back when, and, and but 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 I was I was from a very very rural part of Lancashire, and a place called Rufford, and um, you know it was until the A59 cut through the village. It was there was it was farmland really, and that was about it. Famous for a beautiful uh, old hall, Rufford Old Hall. Uh, yeah, and I, I think my great I think my great grandfather sang. There's pictures of him sort of doing minstrel shows and things like that, crazy things like that. But uh, not really. It just sort of. Uh, I could sing, uh, I think, and that's how it kind of, um, it was just one thing after another, and then you get parts in school plays, and then it was, uh, I auditioned, well, I went down for an audition for Bugsy Malone, uh, they did this big West End production of Bugsy Malone, this is probably about nine, four, three, or something like that, and I didn't get in, but I did quite well, and it was, it was enough for me to go off and have tap dance lessons, and then uh, I was working on a farm, <laughs> age 13, 14, can you imagine that now? Wow. And that's what we just did. I mean, sometimes we would work before we went to school. Can you imagine that now? Oh. And um, the wife of the farmer I was working for uh, said, oh, they're auditioning for kids to do half a sixpence in Preston, Preston Charter Theatre. Um, and um, so I did that. 
and, and, and that kind of introduced me to musical theatre a little bit. And then I joined another youth theatre. Just gradually did stuff. Your eldest son is now approaching that age. Has he shown any sign of wanting to follow in your footsteps there? And would you encourage that? Uh, very much so. Isaac's doing extremely well. Oh. Um, he, he, uh, it was never planned. It just happened. My wife's a dance teacher and has a dance school. And Isaac's danced uh, since he was three. Uh, he's performed in the West End and uh, in Paris and stuff. And uh, he's uh, he has a fantastic. He goes up for things I could only dream of going up for. Let me tell you. And uh, uh, he did his first professional play last year. Yeah, he's doing really well. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm very proud of him. And uh, we don't. There's no showbiz parents pushing him and pushing him mm. doing anything like that at all. It's been a gradual thing from his singing. He's got. Uh, he's doing a concert in a about three or four weeks and there's a few other things probably in for him so he's very good yeah wow. he's really good and he loves his football and uh, Freya who's uh, 18 19 months in fact she's 20 months now she'll get it right We're, you know 18 months is what she's been saying she's dancing as well she's oh, amazing wow. she, did, she did her first show at February but it sounds like we're some kind of like Disney <laughs> stage family we're, we're, it's, it's like anything but we just happen to we happen to do it and um, seeing your son on stage and your daughter on stage it's you know that's amazing for me, particularly when he was in London. Uh, yeah, I'm very proud of him. Very, he's my best friend. Too. I'm very proud. Oh. Of him. I mean, who was your inspiration? Like, like you are for him. Who was your inspiration growing up? Um, oh, what a question! I don't know. Um, on on telly, uh, I, uh, I mean, it was all the. I, I was fascinated with people like Richard Burton and all the old actors. I got all the biographies and I, I was there, I was living in Tarleton and Rufford in very remote places and there wasn't too many people interested in drama or Shakespeare and stuff like that. I was, but um I would read a lot. I remember writing to Jeremy Brett. Um he he I thought he was so sort of eccentric and, and, and out there and doing what he was doing on telly and Michael Crawford had a huge influence on me because I saw Barnum when I was fifteen. Um, and so that was a that was a real kind of uh, um, I didn't really realise you could be on telly and do films and do theatre and do, I didn't know you, there were these people who did the whole shebang you know the, the Michael Crawfords the Jonathan Prices the Robert Lindsay's people like that um, and so that that really Barnum really knocked me for six um, and that kind of thought mm, that's probably what I want to do so they're the people I, I certainly remember but and also actors like Michael Maloney really consummate British actors uh, like, like that you know I met Michael Maloney on the tube once he was so nice well I saw I saw him do a few things and when I, I when I was a, so a teenager I used to save up and go over to the Royal Exchange or the Playhouse and so Martin Shaw as well had a big influence oh, yeah. when I saw him play all this but uh, Michael Maloney, uh, I guess I'd be a teenager, 16, 17, something like that, was doing All My Sons with John Thor. Wow. Uh, what a cast. Uh, yeah, can you imagine that? All My Sons with John Thor at the Royal Exchange, and John Thor was fantastic. And Michael Maloney played Chris, and I'd seen him do that. And I think he played the Dauphin and Henry V, and I'd seen him do stuff. And it just just naturalness, truly magic deeply, just this amazing kind of naturalness. Mm. And uh, I, I, I wrote to him. I wrote to him and just said... You're amazing, and you know uh, I think I was going off to, to America to do a play at the part. You know, so I just kind of wrote a fan letter and said, "Thank you, great." And, and he wrote me this lovely letter back saying, um, "It's inevitable that we will work together, and and good luck, and just charming letter." Mm. And it's cut to 150 years later, <laughs> I'm doing Coronation Street, and Frank Foster is uh, on trial, and uh, who's prosecuting me? But Michael Malone. Oh wow! And so uh, yeah. 
And so I said, you won't, you won't believe this, but, um, you know, I wrote to you and you said, oh, oh my God, did I reply? And I was like, yeah, of course. And you said, it's inevitable we will work together again. And, and then very, very soon after that, I found the letter. I found the letter that he wrote to you. And so I sent it to him and it was, it was very moving. We're, and we're friends now. And I'm, I'm always trying to get him into shows and plays that I'm doing. <laughs> we can never get him. Yeah, he's, he's, people like that, yeah, an actor, an American actor called uh, Jelko Ivanek, who, if you Google him, you'll go, oh yeah, of course, him. He's in everything from... Uh, he was in uh, three billboards. He was in uh, Mass Appeal. He, you know, big big roles in big films, but just kind of always uh, not a star star. Mm. And they're the actors that I always kind of um, you know uh, look up to. Yeah. And of course, you know, I mean, ended up in Corrie for me was a buzz because I used to be an extra in it. You know, as a 15, 16, 17 year old, I would I would be an extra in Coronation Street, and so. You know, that, that was kind of a nice full circle when I when I went down to the bubbles. Yeah. I mean, your first major role on, on TV was Cardiac Arrest, which mm. is still to this day regarded by many as the greatest medical drama series that's ever been made. The most authentic, the most real. Written by the wonderful yeah. Jed Mercurio, you know, and he, he still continues. To Whatever be... happened to him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I'm I'm going to ask this question because I think you'd be awesome in Line of Duty. So does totally. I, I listen. I asked I asked the producer the very same question this morning. I certainly I, I did. I jokingly I did. I, I mean, Jed and I, you know, did three series Cadet Correct. I'm hugely proud of him. Massively proud of him. And he he said some very very nice things recently about what we did in that show and. Uh, it's amazing just to, you know, he's a very quiet, unassuming brummy. Mm. He's sort of become the, um, you know, the showrunner of major, major stuff. And the last series, the current series of In the Line of Duty is produced by Ken Horn, who I've worked with a number of times and uh, is a really good friend. And um, we've done a few projects together. Um, but no, I wasn't in it, but I'm very happy to watch it. But you never know. Well, not exactly. Not <laughs> yet. Know. I mean, that's that's what interests me, because does being a formula regular of the bill help or hinder your chances of joining another high profile police drama series? Well, that, it's a very it's, it's a very good question, you know, and it's a question that is it, it's well worth it. The, the answer is I don't know. It's interesting this because. You know, I've done other soaps. Um, if you want to call the bill a soap, I don't really care what people call the bill. Uh, somebody wants to call it a cop soap or a continuing drama. It was the bill, you know, and so it didn't fit into any bracket. It had a stage when it was very soapy. It had a stage when it was very, you know, uh, dramatic-led, narration-led and stuff like that. Uh, it, it had so many different guises. It didn't really fit into it. I liked the continuing drama title i thought that kind of suited it mm. um but you know i've done i've done two of those and I, there's no question that the bill got me cory uh, I, I the thing about the bill is it, it's still on yeah it's still on somewhere every single day i did seven years on it whatever 300 episodes or something and uh you know a wonderful character very hard work and but it's still on so i think it might be hard for people to cast you as a copper um i mean i've played villains on tv since uh, and i played coppers before dion manson and and interestingly and in, i've been asked to play quite a few coppers on stage and i didn't do it until 2017 because of that i just thought well it's just going to be another dion manson in fact the next role i'm going to play is a, is a, is a policeman is an inspector detective inspector actually um and so um it's a, it's a really good question 
I, I remember I remember um, a story from I won't say who I'm not sure I should say who because a, a really well known British actor, wonderful British actor who is the lead in one of our most beloved ever television dramas, right? And uh, he told me this and. Uh, a fabulous actor and you just go why aren't you in everything all the time and he said well I used to go up for stuff after his show finished and uh, he was told once by a casting director very nicely really you're so identified with that character it's hard for us to to cast you and he said rather than making him sort of slash his wrist he went oh at least I know at least I know now I can do all the things and look for other things now television has changed so much now people the way people watch television they stream it, they record it, they watch box sets, we all do it. The identities of characters are kind of digested in a very, very different way. You can watch an entire, you could watch a hundred episodes or something in a week now, or whatever people do with the box sets. And so also, there's much, much less made. Um, you know, the, the shows like The Bill, Keep Practice, Heartbeat, Dangerfield, you know, these shows that I did, guests in and you know i'm sure all the other people that you've spoken to on these mm. podcasts are friends there you don't really get those now you don't get those you know bank of kind of uh jobs for guest actors to go into and so you see john malkovich doing guest work and you see oscar winners doing uh netflix series and stuff it's changed so much mm. um i used to i used to think of the bill as the television rep yeah in many ways you know, I remember one particular day, uh, truly doing a, a scene with a young, uh, a young actor just just out of drama school, and uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, I did a scene scene with Claire Bloom. Wow! Yeah. You know, uh, it, 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 it was just this incredible. And sometimes in the bill, you were the lead, and sometimes you were the butler, and sometimes you would stand in the background, and sometimes you would, you know, carry um, a, a storyline for weeks or months, mm. and um, you know, that that was that was quite unique. Uh, that was that was quite unique. And yes, there were there were some of us who used more, and some people were used less, and some people weren't used enough, in my opinion. And it always kind of mixed it up. While it was particularly while it was television was changing, mm. um, but it was always hard work. The bill for me, anyway, it was always hard work, and so it should be. You know, your job should be um, you know uh, a challenge, and particularly if you're going to do it for a long period. I didn't realise I was going to do it for nearly seven years. Um, I just went in there, took a risk with the the way I was going to audition um, for Manson. Uh, I w- I was I'd done two episodes of the bill before as, as a guest, liked doing it, and uh, I was I think I was thirty three or something like that when I joined, maybe a bit younger. And uh, the part of the I Manson was written quite differently, quite uh, Burnside-y, a bit more bullish. Um, uh, a bit more sort of, you kind of could see him sort of more Londony, but um, uh, Paul Marquez and Carson Black, who were the producing at the time, uh, went for something different. And um, I remember distinctly actually going in. I had two castings for it, and Scott was in, and Lisa Maxwell read in with me, which was which was really kind of them. And I've always been grateful for that because to have the actors that you're going to be working with bouncing off you changed everything. Yeah, I made a decision in in the uh, in the toilets on my screen chest. <laughs> I was thinking about him, and I kind of thought how I'm, and I was quite young to be going up for it. And I looked at a lot younger then, and 
and he's a detective inspector. So I thought well, he must be ambitious. He can't be. He can't be a dickhead. He's got to be. You know, there's got to be. There's got to be something about him that's made him get this far at this age. You know, whether it's you know, obviously he was much darker when he started, and I just took a risk with the with the with delivery of the way the way I, I went for the screen test and the way he spoke and. Uh, under the line a bit, and um, that's how he spoke right to the very end. And yeah. his, his delivery was, was, was never changing. Uh, thank God they went for it, changed my life. And um, he was a uh, always hard work, <laughs> so hard. So you know, and uh, I think I joined on an eighteen-month contract with six months options. So they tell you after six months, and then as it came within that uh, eighteen months. You know, we got we were getting married, we got a house, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it appeared that he was, you know, he was doing quite well in the show. So at some point, uh, I, it, it became clear that he might have a longevity, mm. and so that's why I kept all the cards close to the chest, and I think that's why they wrote so nicely for him because, you know, um, you should always do the slow burn if you can. I think, you know. Um, uh, and, and it seemed to pay off. It was hard work, though, and obviously changed a lot from when he started. And also, it was quite a hard job for me to do, living in the north, mm. and then later, later with a family, travelling up and down, as we touched on before, uh, you know, going home whenever I could. But, yeah, it was very grateful to it, and uh, it's a shame it finished. I'm pretty certain if it had continued, uh, I would have carried on. Probably would have gone off and done some theatre and gone back if I was able to, but... It was a crazy decision at the time. It's a crazy decision now. It's, it's never been replaced, um, whether you liked it or not. And the, uh, However, they changed the, the format and the scheduling and the music. There was still a heart about it. It was, uh, I think, incomparable in the way it told stories. Every single story in the bill was based on genuine met mm. cases, even if it was a beer mat theft or whether it was a kidnapping. Yeah. Um, and, th- and those stories... You know, happen every single day, and I think the bill was the only program that's ever really told those stories. You know, um, continuously, and so uh, it, it, yeah, it was a shame it ended, but lots of things did. Heartbeat did. Um, things change. It's quite interesting. I'm sure you're aware of that article in the Times the other week. The thing that that the program uh, that would bring people together, and the thing that would would distress adults between 18 and 30 was the bill. It was top of the list. Wow. Wow. It was top of uh, Yeah, Google. I wish I could find the actual article, but it was, uh, I was like, well, there you go. There you go. But it is on. It is on somewhere, you know. It is on somewhere. I don't think your era of the bill gets enough credit and what people don't, what they forget is that it was nominated for four BAFTAs and one Best Drama Series BAFTA and then within a year they killed it and you just think that's, that's mental. Yeah. And two national TV awards. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Very popular. And I mean, you know, and also the view, and people go, oh, well, it went down to four million viewers. Four million viewers would be great now, wouldn't it? Absolutely. You'd be happy with that. Um, you know, but also the way that people were watching TV was changing. We were on this cusp of uh, this this transformation of ITV, this kind of celebrity period, this, uh, mm. you know, X Factor. And, you know, I don't criticize any of those shows. The talent shows, bring them on, it's fine. Uh, hand on heart, and we'll never know the, if, if it was now, I don't think the bill would go. And uh, you know it's it, it, it's a shame, and it's probably every I would imagine nearly every single day somebody would mention something about the bill. Certainly down in London. Yeah. And uh, is it coming? Is it coming back? Is it coming back? And uh, 
Uh, I don't think it is, but if 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 they did, and if they wanted Manson, I'd be first there. You know, I, and I'm, I can't think of many people in the uh, in the time I was there and before who would say different. No, I mean you explained that it changed your life. Did did it have an almost overnight recognition in the public eye for you? Did it change where you were suddenly getting recognised a lot more than you were before you'd played Manson or? Oh, literally overnight. Wow. Um, I mean, I've done this, I've done high-profile series and, and shows like Cardiac Arrest and uh, you know, Queerest uh, Hope, and Bad Girls, and a lot of stuff like that, but not for any lengthy period, really. I mean, Cardiac Arrest is over three years, but it was ten years before the building. I seem to remember Manson was broadcast on Christmas Eve. I think he arrived on Christmas Eve, two thousand and three, um, and. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely it happened quite quickly, and he proved quite popular as well, which I was surprised by because he was such an uptight prick. Um, I <laughs> thought he was going to be, you know, much shorter period, and uh, he was he was very busy. I remember me, myself and Alex Walkinshaw. I'm sure you'll get on this. We were the sergeants, and then the inspector. Well, he was sergeant, and I was inspector, and you know, so we so often with those characters with the DIs. Not only would you be involved in setting the storyline up, literally starting from the instant, and you you would have you know your offshoot stories. So quite often we were in a lot together. We were in a lot on a lot of Sundays, and then when they promoted Smithy to inspector, we had a lot of um, common ground. And uh, I, I do remember someone telling us that we were we were filming the most, and not for any grand or, or braggy reason, just because uh, you know the rank called for it. Yeah. Um, to allocate to, to allocate storylines, uh, and so I would go into the studio because my family were up north. I wasn't going home like everybody else. I was going to my what became my flat, or I was going to my dig somewhere, hotel, or whatever it was. I was away working every week. I'd come down Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was, and I would go to work. And so I would go in and learn my lines in the in location on the incident room. If I was uh, filming a briefing, and I don't think I've ever talked to anyone of this, um, I would go in, say we wrapped at seven o'clock, I would go into the incident room and learn the lines for the next day or the office for the next day, get the get the structure of the lines. And they would all, all often change on the floor on the day anyway, and you'd get changes and stuff like that. And so my thing was when I finished at work, I could go home or go back to my gigs and there was nothing else to do with watch football or whatever it was. And I used to wonder, why am I doing it like that? Was it so I could just go on with a glass of wine? And you know, in, half the time, Louise wasn't there, or uh, Isaac wasn't there, or uh, and then I think it was, I think it was because of Manson. I think it's because he was so, you know, different to me. Um, uh, he was so ooh, inward, and until he, he had his relationship with Grace, um, much later on, it was all very internal. Yeah, and didn't, you know, and so he was. I, I was knackered a lot of the time, and so I think I used to try and just stay in the studio and just kind of hang around scheduling and um, and and kind of try 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 to do everything at work and then, you know, forget Manson for a bit. Somebody asked me recently to do a charity video for somebody who wasn't very well, and um, uh, as Manson. And I was like, God, I haven't played him for, for eight years. What would he be doing now? And, you know, where would he be? You know, and stuff. And it's really interesting. So I, to kind of go, oh, yeah, I remember how he used to stand and talk. I remember that now. It's fascinating, you know. But, um, 
Yeah, he was he was hard work, was Neil Manson. He was hard work. Well, it, it paid off because it is genuinely, a, I'd call it a beautifully intricate performance. You know, he comes over always as a real focused character. You know, you, you can imagine him when the camera's not on him, you know he's living and breathing. He yeah, feels good. Like Thanks. I, I loved the total lack of sense of humour. He had even in ridiculous yeah. positions where you're chasing a guy dressed as Kylie Minogue down the street and oh, yeah. tackling him. You take it brutally seriously while everyone Absolutely, else is seeing yeah. the no comedy. Sense of humor whatsoever. No sense of humour whatsoever. Yeah, no sense of humour. Yeah, no, it was great when he got any kind of gags because <laughs> it's a lot. You know, it's a lot. It, Manson uh, was a very long way uh, from me. I, I would hope. I think he was great, professional, and. Uh, uh, the person he became at the end or, you know, at the end of the series was, you know, a lot looser and a lot more, well, he was in love, which made a big difference, you know. Yeah. He struggled with the parenting skills and stuff. and But he was a gift, an absolute gift of a character to play. Uh, I, 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 I don't shy away from hard work and obviously there's friends for life in the bill and there was a lot of fun there and uh, I'm, I'm grateful to it, that's for certain. And it doesn't never goes away. It's just always, even though you, I went into, you know, when they when you put your name on a poster, it usually says the Bill and Coronation Street, or it'll say Coronation Street. And I said, well, I only did less than two years on Coronation Street, and I have no no problem with that at all. Mm. You know, and I don't think I don't think anybody would be. Um, because it's still on. You turn it on and you turn the telly on, and it's on Watch or UK Gold or or whatever mm. it is, and still this incredible. I'm sure all the other people you've had on will say the same from yeah. Australia. It's just this incredible um, uh, mailbag and correspondence from down under even now. And you had some incredible opportunities, you know, whilst doing the bill, you you know, you're doing things like who wants to be a millionaire and children in need, like the, yeah. I, I don't think people really appreciate just how massive the show was all the way to the end. Yeah, it was, it was part of people's lives. It was, uh, it was, um, you know, regardless of, you know, I mean, it went through a stage, obviously, it went quite soapy and, you know, the storylines weren't particularly anything to do with policing, um, people giving birth on the desks, and, and whatever it was, you know. And and I, I, I dipped my toe in the water of that storyline, you know, when I was there. I, I arrived at that period, and I'm pretty certain if it didn't have that period, it wouldn't have had the next period. It had to go through all these different changes half an hour, one hour, twice a week, all these different kind of formats and producers, all different people had. Paul Marquez's era was very different to Jonathan Young's era, you know, and um, I think Jonathan Young, what he did with the show, unquestionably kept it on TV longer. Mm. Him and Tim Key, I think, you know, people go, oh, well, it finished under his, under his banner. And it's like, no, well, Jonathan Young didn't finish it. They're like, he chose to finish the film, you know, and he was captain of the ship when it stopped sailing. But there's no question it would have stopped way before without those people. Absolutely no question in my mind. I think when it went to the nine o'clock, I remember I was in a position to go somewhere else, but I thought it was just going to be really interesting. I think we all kind of knew it might be the beginning of the end. And so it became, you know, sort of a, a new series in many ways. It yeah. looked different. It sounded different. Some people didn't like it. Some people liked it. As in, 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 in hindsight and in, in reverie, those episodes uh, are terrific, I think. And I'm yeah. very, very proud of them. Very proud of them. Uh, gone too soon. Yeah, no question, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And fans, I mean, it's almost 10 years since it finished. Yeah. You know, that, that's... Ten year, is, it, is, it, is it next year? Ten yeah, years next, next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
which is yeah, we, we should do something for that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, mm. and and it's so nice to hear that it is ten years on still something you look back on very fondly. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, I mean, it was such a big part of my life. You know, it was such a. I think I turned forty during the bill. I got married during the bill. We had our first child in my time in the bill. You know, lots, lots of things happened. We got, you know, we were able to buy our first property. You know, all the big things in our lives happened uh, in the bill. And, and and I suppose if I'd be material about it, we went around the world. We had an incredible trip. We went off and saw India and China and Japan and Kenya and we had this incredible trip. Uh, right in the middle of my time in the bill, and just you know that might sound really flash. It's not meant to. It's just I wouldn't have been able to do that without without the bill. And so there's there's golden memories attached to it. And uh, uh, I mean, I did a lot of stories and worked with a lot of actors, and a lot of them kind of do blend in. And people say, "What's your favourite?" What you know, what what I remember most about the bill was, and here's what I miss about the bill the most is the editorial, is the input to be able to contribute to the direction of not just the character, but, uh, you know, the, the scene. Or, you know, we had amazing directors, fantastic, fantastic directors and writers on that show. And you'd be jumping around between three or four sometimes. And I'll share with you one uh, memory, which kind of sums up for me uh, my time with the bill. We were doing an episode. It was a very Manson and Max-driven episode. In the scene previously, uh, Manton had discovered something which shook down the investigation. Kind of. Okay, so that's all you kind of need to know. Is like, okay, A's happened, so therefore B can't happen. Then I go into the incident room and say, this has happened. And I remember saying to the director, if I deliver this now, we've nowhere else to go. If I, if I say this now, we can't continue the investigation because Manson would just go, well, that's the end of it. And he was like, shit, yeah, of course. How are we going to get around that? How are we going to, you know, how are we going to find a way around it? And we were looking for, and it was Richard Signey, one of my favorite, probably possibly one of my favorite directors in the world. And we were sitting in the instant room and the actors were standing down. And I was like, I was like well, I can't, you say, and you know, we were looking for a solution just for, just for alter a line. And I said, I know, Max says it. Max can be pissed off and says it because he always is. <laughs> and then, it can lift us all to go, no, 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 we've got to continue sort of thing. If he, if he says it, then it changes. And we're like, great, great, brilliant. And of course, some actors might just go, no, 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 I'm not saying it. But Chris being Chris and, you know, um, and here's the revelation, my favourite actor in all my time to work with. Do you think, yeah, of course, I'll say it. And he did it. And the scene happened and we filmed it and it was great and it moved it on lovely. And that for me is what I, what I miss about the bill. That's, and the wages but that, <laughs> that's what I miss about the bill that kind of input and that kind of creativity and don't want it to sound all actory but that's that kind of teamwork mm. and uh, moving moving the story and having that input and being able to suggest something and going oh yeah yeah uh, and I remember that moment very well I talk about it when I do lectures and stuff and it's uh, uh, that kind of sums up why I enjoyed it and mm. why I stayed so, so long <laughs> I just always thought Max should have had a spin-off. I thought he was a fascinating character. I thought he was the closest character we had to a member of the Sweeney, uh, a flawed character. And Chris Fox, for me, he actually did a cameo in it. He did a guest appearance uh, as a, in the cells, and I did a scene with him, and I remember saying 
nothing to do with me, but I remember saying to the producer, oh my God, this guy's phenomenal. He's amazing. A year later, he was in it as Max Carter. And for me, he uh, wonderful actors. I, I had close relationships with, you know, work with the best, you know, the best. Sam Callis, I think, was fantastic and brilliant. All of them, terrific. But for me, it was always Max that used to fire Manson up the most. I thought he was terrific. And were you tempted during, or have you been tempted since, to either write an episode or direct an episode? Does, does that appeal to you, to, to get really hands-on with the storytelling? No, I've directed stage. I've never really sought to direct. I've made documentaries, and I make documentaries for television, but I, um, I've, uh, I've never sought to direct, no. No, just, 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 I like, I mean, I'm, I think it teaches you, if you want it to, good editing, you know, in, in, in performance and scripts. I love working on a new play with a director or and when it's, when it's a blank piece of paper and you can, again, have that kind of input or suggestion. I think I quite like that. That's what I most enjoy. Um, or finding solutions to, uh, to scenes. That's, that's the part of acting I like, probably. Not much else. <laughs> Well, what are your uh, hopes, ambitions for the future? You know, because you're still a young man. You've got you've got decades no, of fifteen next year. Wow, no, no, no. Stop as soon as possible. <laughs> um, I, I don't just I just keep. I mean, amazingly, thank God uh, through it all, I keep working, and um, I'm really enjoying stage. I'm loving doing these musicals and that fantastic uh, time doing the sound of music and then solo. Uh, I know what I'm doing for the rest of the year pretty much and and so i'll get my teeth into them i suppose that you know it would be nice to go back you know to telly a bit we're talking about something in a minute but um i have been very spoiled by manson and frank foster and dr colin and so if it didn't happen again i couldn't complain too much i think it probably will hope so um but i'm i'm looking forward to just spending time with this family of mine and um seeing Everton win a trophy I suppose <laughs> that would be good we are all so grateful to you for very generously giving us your time and we ask the listeners of this podcast who are all over the world it continues to amaze and and, and delight me we ask them to support a charity of the interviewee's choice so is there something that you'd like the listeners to to donate to a cause that's something close to your heart well, it's unbelievably kind. It's, you know, every little helps in this day and age. I'm, a, I'm, a, I live in Liverpool, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, quite involved in um, things that down at Everton Football Club and our incredible charity. Which I was an original ambassador. It's called Everton in the Community. They do uh, amazing things for the communities far and uh, and wide, not just within the area. Um, it's a multi-award-winning um, uh, charity now. And if you have a little Google, you'll see why. And so, if you wanted to you know donate to that that would be incredible and every penny i could guarantee was going to worthy causes but i will i just one thing i would share just one memory of the bill i want to share with you before i joined the bill i had a kind of strange first uh, with the bill i did an episode and i don't know what it was called or what year it was i was a snout on beach got as a snout i got beaten up ended up on the floor don beach comes along tells me off and that was the end of the episode, but it ended on me. It ended on the character. And it was the first time, and apparently the only time, an episode of The Bill ended on a guest actor. 
to I used to on conventions, I used to check this with the directors and Julie Hill, the, the archivist, all these people. And that's somebody you should get on the podcast as well. Julie Hill, who was the archivist for the bill over the years. She will tell you wonderful stories. She said, yes, it's the only time it ever ended on a guest actor. So maybe it was a sign, a clue that I was going to appear. Damn right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And on the, very, on the very, very last day of filming in June, I think it was 2010, we were in the instant room. Reza Maradi was directing and we were doing a, just a standard scene with, you know, lots of people giving, allocating out, um, you know, Manson. Yeah, leaving the incident room and all that. So you do this and you do that and you do this. And of course, by the time we came to film it, this was the bill about to wrap, the bill going to wrap after 27 years. And uh, we shot Chris and we shot Alex and we shot Peter and we shot, and bit by bit, I was like, hang on, they haven't come around to me yet. They haven't done me yet. They haven't been, oh, who? And finally, I realized the last setup was going to be on me. Every single person in the building was in the incident room. There's famous pictures of them now hanging off, you know, to be there for when um, it was Ed, Ed, our first assistant director, to call the rap. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe this. I can't. It wasn't the last scene to be broadcast because that was the famous last shot, but it was the last scene to be shot. What an honor that was. Terrifying. We just It was just a little scene, just a couple of lines, looking at the incident room looking at the boards and that was it. And um, and then it all went very quiet. The reza checked with the first assistant director, Ed Benito. And then there was a little bit, was everyone happy, sound happy? Yeah. Okay. Everyone knew this moment was coming when the bill was going to be wrapped. And then just in the silence, Smithy, Alka Volkenshaw said, fuck it, I want another one. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ed said, after 27 years, that is a wrap. And that was the end of it. And then we partied. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But what an honor that was. What an honor that was. Well, let's Mm. hope if it ever does come back, they give you the honor of doing the first scene. Uh, Whether whether I'm there or not, I'll come along and watch. That's for sure. You never know. You never know. I, I, I can't see after 10 years, to be honest. But things like this keep it going. And good for you for doing it. And uh, if you ever need me again, let me know. That's really kind. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you ever so much. I mean, what is your message to to fans of the bill to, to sign off? What What's your message to people who still continue to enjoy your performance and perhaps from the repeats are discovering your performance for the first time as Manson lives on? What is your message to, to listeners of this podcast and fans of the bill? Well, just thanks. You know, just gratitude uh, to uh, because it, without you guys, then and now, you know, um, it, it's it's the bills changed lots of lives. It was part of people's lives for a very long time, and and it's still missed. And so, as I say, things like this and conventions and talks, I'll always be there because uh, because of you guys. That chap called Manson, he's treated me quite well. Very grateful. Very grateful. You can find out more and make a donation to Everton in the community at evertonfc.com forward slash community. What a lovely man Andrew is and what a great way to kick off series three of the Bill podcast. There are more legends to come, but right now enjoy the brand new theme tune cover courtesy of a very talented YouTuber. Check out his channel, Greasy MG. Take it away. <laughs> 